This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Much like the Guardiola versus Klopp era in the Premier League, it was four for City and one for Liverpool at the Etihad on Saturday afternoon. A dazzling display of delightful domination delivered the Blues all three points and we'll be here to review the lot. It's Monday the 3rd of April. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Ollie McCool. I'm Joe Ritchie. And this is the City Report podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Monday all. Start of a brand new week. The sun's shining here in Manchester, just about. So uh, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. Joe, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Uh, I'm doing great. It, it was a great weekend. Got to see a bunch of friends I hadn't seen in a while. Got to see City thrash Liverpool and uh, pretty pretty relaxing Sunday as well. So I cannot complain at all. Fantastic. And a Manchester United defeat to sprinkle in there as well. Ollie, welcome back. Let's get into it then. Moment of the weekend, last two. You've said, I think it was Taylor Swift two weeks ago. It was Izzy Wong, England cricketer, last weekend. What have you mustered up for me um, this time around? Uh, well, it's actually on the theme of football. It's finding out that Ewan McGregor is a Manchester City fan. I mean, you, you, you <laughs> could you could say it's Obi for one Kenobi. Um, <laughs> which is... Uh. Which I'm going to go with. Uh, so find, finding that out, finding out he was at the game yesterday, uh, that put a smile on my face. Yeah, I think I, I came up with Mark rents free in the Scousers' heads, and which is uh, it doesn't really uh, roll off the tongue as well as yours. Uh, Joe, moment of the weekend then? Uh, I kept mine pretty high level. It's um, John Stone's existence. Just Nice. Just, yeah, just being alive and a part of Manchester City and everything that has to do with him is... My moment of the weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a completely <laughs> justified one. Um, I've gone for then. I've gone for K- 
Kevin De Bruyne, as you've probably seen this on social media, his little his little jump, almost toddler like jump after Jack Grealish's goal, I think it was. I've, I've seen, I've looked back at videos of like 1970s footballers, and I've seen them doing that celebration where they just sort of jump on the spot, and I'm like, no way, anyone ever did that. I do not believe it. A, a functional human being would do that in celebration. And we saw it with our own eyes uh, with Kevin De Bruyne, and I guess it leads us straight on to the match. Um, as your namesake, Joe, you can take this straight off the bat. Stat from up to Joe. It was the hundredth time Manchester City had won at in the Premier League under Guardiola at the Etihad Stadium. That's out of 128 matches, meaning City have, have only not won 28 games out of 128 with Pep Guardiola at the Etihad Stadium. Fastest manager to ever reach 100 home wins in the competition, beating Arsene Wenger's previous record of 100 and, 139 games. So what's that? About uh, nine or so. Um, what a way to do it, I guess. 4-1 victory against Liverpool, something, a result that I often I felt coming out of the stadium, City had owed Liverpool for a good number of years, given the difference in quality. And I think that sort of represented, as I said in the intro, the quote-unquote Pep versus Klopp era. Yeah, it was definitely a long time coming. And I think it was actually Ollie who had mentioned, you know, City had actually struggled um, against Liverpool with without, sorry, with a crowd for a handful of years. They hadn't mm-hmm. won a Premier League game. I think it was since 2018, maybe, um, in the Premier League with, without a crowd um, or with a crowd in place, I should say. So it felt like a long time coming. And it just felt like from the, the very beginning, every single player on the pitch for City was locked in. Um, it didn't matter that Holland wasn't there. It didn't matter that Foden wasn't there. Um, but they were just all in fantastic form from the jump. And it, it, I don't know what it was, but it just felt like something pre-match was said and, and everyone was ready and raring to go because from minute zero to minute 90, I thought it was a flawless performance start to finish. Without sounding too much like, I don't know, Tony Pulis, Neil Warnock or whatever with the football cliches, but Ollie, it was as textbook definition, a game of two halves as you could ever imagine. City obviously fall behind in the first half, have him maybe not dominated, but certainly been the better team. There was a few half chances. Riyad Mahrez flashed a free kick past the post. He obviously had a skewed volley that went over the bar. Liverpool on the counter-attack, you know, they were obviously very happy to surrender possession. I think we mentioned that, or at least I mentioned that in the Liverpool preview with Keith McDonald of the Echo, saying that, I feel like Liverpool, without the sort of the the pressure of a title race, could come to the Etihad and almost be a little bit more conservative in their approach. But that first half, there were certainly flaws for City. Counter attack a couple of times. Obviously, Jack Grealish before he, he before he assisted Alvarez's equaliser, making a fantastic last ditch block. Second half, dear mate, flip absolutely switched almost from the first minute. De Bruyne scores that goal, and perhaps the. I don't know, we've said maybe the complete performance a couple of times on this show, but I felt from the 45 minutes to the 95, whenever it was, the, the referee blew his whistle, that was it. That was what we want to see go forward. And we're doing that without Erling Haaland. Yeah, I think that's the kind of crazy thing, isn't it? You know, I think even the most positive City fans, um, like our own very Andrew Detmer, couldn't have been <laughs> as optimistic as when we found out Haaland wasn't in the team at all, uh, which was a shock in itself. But to put in the kind of performance we did yesterday was just exceptional. I mean, even that first half, I was watching that and then the goal happens and you just think, that's so ob- that's so obvious. That's just That's just so Manchester City, you know, definitely on top, clearly the better side already playing around them um, and then we can see that but then you know come out Alvarez gets a goal back and, and I remember saying I said it to someone 
Um, if we don't get a goal in the next 10 minutes after this one, this is it. We're not going to win this game. Um, and what do they do? They, tur- they turn around 10 minutes later, Alvarez scores. And then that second half was the best 45, 50 minutes I've had watching City since the Manchester derby, the- where we were 4 nil up in the first half. Um, it felt it felt that same level. It felt just as embarrassing, just as powerful, just as kind of kind of hairs on the back of your neck raising. Um, watching City put in a performance like that from minute one as well. I mean, the best time to score a goal when you need when you need one is right after the second half. Is right is right after the halftime whistle. It's the best time to score because it knocks the daylights out of the opposition because they're thinking right. We've got to stay. We've got to stay focused. Got to do our plans. And you could see. And you can imagine what Klopp's uh, halftime talk was like. It will, it will have been right. Just stay in your position, do this, do this, and then City just go and you know just put one in from what's felt mm. like nothing. And then they did it two more times uh, with some of the best team play we've seen from City in months. Um, whether you can attribute that to Julian Alvarez, you know, playing that false nine role just absolutely beautifully, or John Stones just doing everything. Um, you can't really call him a centre back anymore, can you? You can't. You can't call him a midfielder. You can't call him a right back. You can't call him. A centre- He's just an everything. Um, yeah, you just know, the gem. I've never. I haven't seen City raise their performances so specifically for a long time because I think I think you said it as well, Amos. We were playing the occasion in the first half, and then mm. the second half they just blitzed them. Um, it was beautiful. Yeah. It's it, and it's exactly like you said. We've owed Liverpool one of those for a long, long time. Uh, especially with the crowd in. We've owed, we've owed them that since the 5-0 in 17-18 at home when they got mm. Mane sent off. Um, it's it fantastic. Felt, it felt a, a little bit like what we should have seen in the reverse fixture this season, right? I think it's what we were all kind of calling out for after that disappointing result. It was like City should have... That, that, that was a Liverpool team that could have been beaten easily. Easily. Mm-hmm. And like, like Ollie was saying, it's a long time coming, but even just short time coming this season, it felt like we owed them one. So um, for it to finally come and for it to be 4-1 on, on a great day was was fantastic. Yeah, it really was a fantastic performance, particularly that second half. Like I said, moments in the first half, but specifically in that second half. And, and City, you know, you could you can make the case, and perhaps, Joe, I'll stick with you for this, but you can make the case, as is always the, the sort of how it happens when you have a team that batters the opposition. Yeah, but Liverpool were bad. And I think we have to say at this juncture, probably even for the full 90 minutes, not even just after going behind, Liverpool were really bad. The The full-backs obviously allowed, allow City's wide men who will do a little bit of a deep dive in part two. Um, it's individual performances, that is. They allowed them a lot of space. Kevin De Bruyne was having, obviously, one of those games where he goes back into the conversation of the best ever midfielder to the greater Premier League. But there was little opposition, was there? And, and I, you know, City were much the better team. City have been the better team for the last five, six, seven years. City have have obviously got the Premier League trophies to show for it. Liverpool don't, but are we are we sort of perhaps a little bit? Do we have to be careful that we're looking at Liverpool this season? They're obviously having an off season, but they are just outside the top four places. Going to going to have a, a big challenge to get inside the top four places now. City, I guess that was the par score, is what I'm getting at. Do we have to sort of just maybe level ourselves and go? That is what we should be expecting from this team, or is it because it was Liverpool and obviously the connotations surrounding the previous half a decade or so? That's why it's such an emphatic win. I think in some ways it's a bit of both, Amos. I mean, the, for me, the it's Liverpool pieces going down one nothing and having such a bright start to go down one nothing. It, it could have been anything from there, and you know, early Pep Klopp days. I, I don't think City scrambled back from that, but I think the last two years in particular, it seems like City's had this 
this mental strength to get over that hurdle. And, you know, maybe it's not resulted in four one victories or even victories at all, but they've, they've been able to at least get themselves back into matches. Um, but as far as where, you know, the current state of Liverpool. Yeah. I mean, I'm not probably going to celebrate it like I would if we're playing, you know, this season's Napoli or this season's, you know, there's not that many other great teams in Europe right now, but you, <laughs> Arsenal. You, Arsenal, Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with Arsenal. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, you can only play who's in front of you. And I know it's a cliche saying, but you really can only play who's in front of you. And I thought that that was one of those matches. And obviously we'll get into the individual performances in the second half, but that was one of those matches. It, it could have been anything really. It could have been five. Mm. It could have been six. I mean, city for the final 15 minutes or so, we're really just passing the ball around the pitch um, to, to kind of see out the match. So I think you can take a lot away from it, especially where we're at a, a juncture in the season that, there's not a whole lot of games left. So anything that you can get from each individual match to me matters a lot. And and I'd only take the positives at this point. And, and certainly one of those positives was the fact that it continues City's uh, really strong form, obviously pre-international break. And, and the concern was, OK, that international break has come at a really bad time for City because they were just about starting to find a rhythm and, and click into the, the gear we know they can operate in. But Ollie, that's now the first time City have managed four wins on Detroit in the Premier League. That's the longest winning run of the season in that competition whisper it but are we perhaps starting to see the early parts of you know title winning run perhaps that will depend on what Arsenal do but the 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 April to May Manchester City that we've all become sort of very well accustomed to and and obviously love so much where it doesn't matter the opponent Bayern Munich Real Madrid um, Arsenal you know whoever it is City find a way to win be that through utter domination or just finding a way to win with a scrappy 1-0 goal or, or however it may come. It feels like we might be might be on the edge of something like that. Yeah, I was saying to a friend during the international break who doesn't watch football, but I, I make I make her listen to this podcast every week, um, <laughs> um, even the episodes I'm not on. Um, and, I, and, I, and, I was, and I was saying this, this kind of month, six weeks, it's hell month. It's just, it's the worst time. It's the worst time of the season because it, it's just so stressful. But then you get a performance like that, and I'm just thinking, this isn't over yet. This is not over yet. City are well in this, and they can easily bend and snap a title race to, to their to however the, however they want, you know. And you can look at the gap to Arsenal, but you just think all we've got, to do, what we've got to do is focus on ourselves because if we just keep looking at the table, all it's going to do is stress us out. And when we're putting in performances like that, why, why stress yourself out further? Why not just enjoy the football? Because if we keep playing like this, no, ma- no matter what happens at the end of the season, we're going to be able to look back to some matches this season. You know, the 6-3 against United, the win against Fulham, uh, right for the World Cup, um, Erling Haaland against Crystal Palace um, in both games, really. Um, this game, the game at the Emirates, it's been some bloody great matches, and this run we're putting together at the moment it just seems to—it's going to define our season. Um, no matter in all mm. competitions, um, it's just incredibly exciting, and it looks like it, you want to whisper it, but it looks like the city of old. It looks like the city we're used to seeing, and whether that's just because there's a five for eight Argentinian up top, yes, on Saturday, <laughs> you know, but it's—it's still—it's still just a really good feeling. I think we all feel a bit more positive about City's chances this season after that one. I mean, what was it, the time capsule episode the other day, you know, guessing how many trophies. I kind of want to update mine and say we'll win all three now, but I think it's, I still think, <laughs> oh. I still think it's a little bit too early to say the treble's coming, but, you know, the treble's coming. 
Uh, that'll make a fantastic clip at the end of the season when City go trophyless. but that'll do for part one join us momentarily as we sort of take a deep dive into the individuals that made that win so special Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. If you haven't already, please take the time to follow, subscribe. If you can, leave a rating and a review. It'll be much appreciated. Um, right, okay then. Let, let's get into some of the individuals. Let's start on a, let's call it an altercation between Guardiola, uh, Simicass and, and Artemelo, two Liverpool players. For me, I found it hilarious, to be honest with you. And, and and I guess that was just sort of... It felt like a time where he just sort of malfunctioned a little bit and he was like, oh, there's someone I can celebrate with. And, you know, I, I love the football my team plays. We've just got a fantastic goal. Did you think it was a fantastic goal? Just so happened that it was a Liverpool player. However, there has been a little bit of a moral panic, as is often the case with, with stuff that relates to City. Um, people calling him disrespectful. I think a couple of journalists in the press conference called him out for it as well. Um, I guess you've got a, a completely... Uh, a rational point of view towards this incident oh of course i have i mean i just i loved you love to see it i love to see it. i love i love when pep just doesn't care and you, you know and you can see when things bother him and you can see but you know everyone talking about um these press conference you know asking a journalist do you think it was disrespectful when the hell did arson wenger and alex ferguson ever get asked if they were being if they if they thought they were being disrespectful um you know and I just I love to see that from Pep because he's 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 like all of us. He just loves football. He just the guy just loves football. He loves what he does so much. Um, I think anyone could have walked past him and he would have been the exact same. He doesn't care that it's cost us Simi Cass or Arthur Mello. And I mean, him and Arthur Mello seem to be having quite a, a nice little chat. Um, <laughs> Which the Liverpool fans love, by yeah. the way. But you can you can imagine the uh, sensible fallout uh, from that one. Absolutely. I just, you just love to see it. I don't think it's a sour note at all. I mean, if Liverpool fans want to mm. whine about it, they can whine about it. Um, but it's the type of thing that they've loved from Jurgen Klopp for years. Um, it's the type of thing that if Jurgen Klopp did it, we'd be mad about it. You know, it'd be the other yeah, way around on this yeah. podcast. It's part of football. Um, and I just love to see Pep getting on getting on the nerves of journalists and uh, Liverpool fans alike. I mean, they're yeah, one and the yeah, same, yeah. really, aren't they, Liverpool fans and journalists anyway? So... <laughs> Um, yeah, he, he did. He did. Uh, he did anger quite uh, quite a few people. Some of them, the right people. Um, Joe and and Ollie makes a good point, doesn't he? Like it feels maybe the last eighteen months or so or two years, we've seen a different side of Guardiola, and he's he's come to love this football club more than perhaps even he would have maybe thought so when he when he arrived and obviously signed a three year contract. He's gone. He's almost doubled that, and you know we're looking at talk of perhaps maybe a ten year dynasty down the line. But I think I think I pin it back to it. I was having this discussion in the pub with some friends afterwards but I, I sort of take it back to the um, UEFA charge about the Champions League ban and it felt like from from that point on his his interviews change his, his, his press conferences change because he used to almost be this sort of studious um, intellectual he sort of he, when he was when he'd speak to media a lot of it was about football whereas now be that because of the questions he's being asked of being sort of put to him to poke him a little bit and then also his touchline antics. He 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 he's embracing almost the, the support of culture a little bit, maybe a little bit too much. I don't know what your thoughts on that incident were, but I found it I found it incredibly hilarious. I, I think the best way to put it is he's just gone full on Bert at this point. Like yeah. he just he just doesn't care anymore and he's been dealing with the same BS questions over and over again. And I mean, like Ollie said, he's kind of one of us at this point, right? Like a glorified uh, one of us <laughs> at this point. So I just don't think he cares. I think with the touchline, I mean, was it the most professional thing to do? Probably not. 
did Liverpool players also walk into his technical area? Yes. Um, will they lose sleep over it? No, I think they'll be okay. You know, they got the opportunity to speak to Pep Guardiola. They, they should only be so lucky. Um, so I don't, I don't think it was that big of a deal. And like I said, at the end of the day, I think Pep's just kind of gotten to the point where he's like, listen, I, I've kind of run this league and I'm going to do what I want. I don't care what people think of this club. We're going to go out and prove them wrong week after week. And it's, it's a mentality that from a fan's point of view, I love to see it at this point. I don't need him to be the nice guy anymore. You know, he, he, he's done that plenty of times and it hasn't gotten him some of the respect that he deserves. So Mm. it's fine by me. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to think back to a few occasions. One that springs to mind was Jurgen Klopp in a derby. I think it was 2019 or 2018-19 when um, Origi scored a last-minute winner against Everton and Jurgen Klopp's in the centre circle of the pitch hugging Allison whilst right. the game still, well, sort of whilst the celebrations are going on. You know, if you want to, if you want to speak about disrespect, like you said, Ollie, Alex Ferguson, Arsene Wenger, there's, there's numerous examples, and I think perhaps we've been in the in the going back a few years. I think to Pellegrini at times, and his um his almost sort of non-existent presence on the touchline, apart from when he was beefing with with Alan Pardew, which was <laughs> fair play to him. He put him in his place, but you know that's what supporters want to see, especially in those big games. You don't want the manager just to be sat down there barking orders here and there. You know, you want him to be involved, and and fair play to him. Um, a couple of players who were. So Certainly involved, Ollie. Riyad Mahrez, but more specifically Jack Grealish. Now, um, I'm I, I feel like a proud dad watching him play football, and I know this is a, a firm collection of the Jack Grealish Appreciation Society, but we're 12 months removed from almost endless, endless debates about his functionality in the City team, obviously a lack of goals and assists. Well, his last six goals and assists in a Manchester City shirt have come against Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal, Nottingham Forest, and then obviously on Saturday, Liverpool. He is turning it on when it matters. And apart from being gutted that City go the season without a Premier League title, I almost feel like they the owe it to Jack Grealish for, this, for his performances after the World Cup because he has been perhaps up there with Erdegaard, Marcus Rashford as the standout men in the Premier League. Jack Grealish is one of the most wonderful people and wonderful footballers on the planet. Um, let's just let's just start there. I, I, I've defended that guy from day one. And just, just like you, Amos, we, I, I'm sure just like you, Joe, as well. You know, the people, the people who've stuck by him, we, we we can we can be the kind of smug ones. I told you so. I told you this because I, I I I always had faith in him to be that kind of big match winner for us. And hasn't he just been that? He's fantastic. I mean, there was a a stat I haven't verified it from our good friend Ollie Kirsch, friend of the podcast, um, that in Liverpool's last twelve defeats, uh, the man of the match eight times has been the left winger. Um, Jack Grealish, left winger, absolutely rinsed Trent yesterday. Trent just didn't know what to didn't know what to do with him. Um, Jack Grealish, hundred million pounds was a steal. If Aston Villa, if you want hundred million more, I'd gladly see City pay it um, because he's just a stunning footballer. And I hope someone else paid for his Chinese on Saturday night because you know, <laughs> frankly, frankly, mate, eat all the salt and pepper chips you want. You've deserved it after that. Yeah, he, uh, I, I like, I mean, the three of us are firm Jack Grealish defenders. Um, and if nothing else, even when times got kind of tough for him, um, especially last season, all I kept telling myself was Pep's not going to authorize a $100 million deal for someone he doesn't truly believe in. 
and he played him through tough moments. I, I think the the backing was always there, right? And, and I don't know why people didn't think that he was going to need a season like everybody else just because City paid more for him than they have for others. It's it's still a, a club that takes time to adapt to and a, a manager that takes time to adapt to. But yesterday, or excuse me, Saturday in particular, I mean, Jack's had a lot of very good games this season, but I can't remember a match this season where he just got whatever he wanted whenever he wanted. He was absolutely ruthless in attack. He, I mean, obviously we've talked about that tackle on Mo Salah that, you know, if that's a, if he doesn't make that talent tackle and Salah puts that in, I don't know what kind of a conversation we're having right now. Um, so, you know, that, that in and of itself could be man of the match worthy for me, but then to go on, have the, obviously the opening assist to Alvarez, which I thought was just inch perfect. There wasn't a lot of room for, for error there. And then the goal itself to cap it off. And, and like you said, in your match of the weekend, Amos, you know, Kev celebrating like a, a little school kid was, was just fantastic. So I, Jack, to me, as good as he's played, I still think he can reach another level. I truly do. I think that depending on what City do next season, not to look too far ahead, but um, potentially in the left back market and he has a little bit more support, I think it could actually take him to another level. Um, mm. But at this point, I mean, I don't think you could argue there's been a better attacking player as far as consistency goes this season for City. Obviously, Holland's gotten all the goals, but all round play, I think it's Jack and and that's a beautiful thing to say out loud, so... Yeah, yeah, and, and I don't know if it's still the case, but in matches where Grealish hasn't played or featured, I'm, I'm pretty sure in saying City haven't won any of them, and, and if they have, it's sort of one, two, three, or four here and there. He has been a fixture of this team for the majority of the season, and, and a lot of, not all of it, but a lot of what City could achieve from here here on in is because of his performances from sort of from from up until this point in the campaign, if that makes sense. And um, it's just interesting because he, he was saying after after the match that he was throwing up at half time and um, whether or not that was one too many vodka and cokes the night before or, or a dodge, or some dodgy prawn crackers, I'm not too sure. But like you say, I'm sure he would have uh, celebrated that man of the match performance because it was, again, it, he was another one who deserved that goal. And, and I'm hoping now, I know it's been a bit of bit of this so far. It's a bit like unlocking Paul Pogba in, in a different sense, but I'm hoping this is the one where he's able to really go on to that next level you speak about, Joe, because um, he certainly got it. You know, there, there was a few times as well, I thought, in that in that Liverpool game where he, he sort of, he cut inside, he did the hard work, it opened up and you just want to see him unleash for a shot and you're thinking, he, he's had so many of those where goalkeepers have tipped him around the post or it's clattered the crossbar and I'm thinking, just let go, just let go because as soon as one goes in and, and obviously it did towards the end of the game to wrap up the win. Um, on the opposite side then, Ollie, obviously Riyad Mahrez. This is, as the kids say, Riyad Mahrez season and speaking about Grealish tearing Trent Alexander-Arnold a new one, it led to Jurgen Klopp taking Robertson off the pitch because of just how good he was and, and it, I, when the team news dropped I'm thinking, I wasn't fearing the worst well probably was to be honest with you hurtling down towards Manchester drinking an Asahi at what <laughs> half 11 in the morning or whatever it would have been but I, I was thinking that front three maybe lacks a little bit of pace it maybe lacks a little bit of dynamism I actually thought Phil Foden's um, exclusion obviously he's had surgery was a bigger miss than Haaland's exclusion as, as crazy that may sound but I was thinking Mm, if Liverpool get it right, their fullbacks could quite comfortably pocket City's wide men and, and sort of neutralise their attack. How wrong I was. Both sides, Riyad Mahrez obviously shining as well as Jack Grealish. It was um, it was a masterclass 
as I think is the best way to describe it. Yeah, Riyad Mahrez is just one of those just wonderful footballers. I mean, the, the silky first touch, uh, you know, and just the the way he the way he approaches the game, it's just marvelous to watch him. Um, especially when he's in full flight playing like he was on Saturday. Um, and, it, and it feels like he's got a real chance now, you know, with, with Foden being out for a couple of weeks. You know, when Foden comes back, it could be anything. You know, it's kind of, you know, it's a difficult way to, it's a difficult way to describe it because obviously we all Foden in the team, he had something different. But Mara's, you know, he's just not going to throw away his shot. Um, and, you know, he wasn't doing that yesterday either. He's just a phenomenal, phenomenal footballer. That assist for Alvarez uh, was spectacular, and I, and I want to give Alvarez his props as well. All the pressure that that kid had on him, and then you just remember, oh yeah, he's a World Cup winner. He's you know Argentina's star man that isn't called Messi. Um, you know this kid knows what he's doing. Yeah, on Alvarez, he was he was airdropped into Argentina's World Cup campaign midway through, as it looks as if they were going to crash out in the group stage, and and obviously lose Lionel Messi the chance to finally win a, a World Cup, and, and people think he wouldn't have been able to handle Liverpool um, in the Premier League on a one-off occasion, DME. But uh, finally, then the one you've all come for, uh, John Stones, Sir Jonathan Stones from Barnsley, Joe. That was. Was that the most complete performance you've seen from a footballer, um, the best central defender, right back, holding midfielder, trekkerista, anything you want to call him? Um, I don't know. You can add the superlatives yourself, but he was just dominative. And it, and, and it feels like with John Stones, the issue has always been City supporters have known his quality and have been screaming it from the rooftops probably since 2018. Maybe, maybe, you know, there was a dip around 2019, 2020 in there somewhere. I can't quite remember which one it was, but they speak about a move to Arsenal potentially. And, and he actually spoke about that before the Liverpool game. So in uh, saying, sorry, how... Um, how disappointed it'd have been to leave City and how much he actually wants to finish his career with the Blues. And that was the perfect demonstration for the wider world to see just how good he is. Yeah, and I mean, you said I can add superlatives. I'm running out of superlatives to to talk about John Stones. I mean, he... I know that I think the last time I was on the pod, you know, we were talking about uh, John Stones and I was diving into some of the stats and it was like 100% pass completion, 100% tackles, 100%, you know, it was one of those, it was statistically a flawless performance. That may not have been translated yesterday, but when you talk about a player who, technically speaking, is a center back, but can drop into a right back role, can drop into a defensive midfield role, I just, I don't know what else he's supposed to offer. And I think we've put it out on our Twitter feed here and there, but when you talk about best center backs or defenders in the world, tell me what he needs to do, if anything, to be considered the best center back in the world, because I can't think of anything else. I, no, I mean, feel free to chime in, either of you. But truly, like, I can't, I can't think of a better one right now. Right, right. Genuinely, yeah. When you think of all the modern, not even just the modern greats, just all of the great centre backs, all of them had one or two incredible things they were good at. John Stones has them all, you know. And there's and there's mm. this perception of John Stones, and I'm and I'm gonna, and I'm going to have a mini rant here. So. Just, Bear with me while we end, before we end this podcast. <laughs> Strap it. Yeah, John John Stones does not get the credit he deserves at all. People still see him as that centre back from 2016-17, where you know there was a lot of worries about him. You know, Pep was having to defend him in press conferences every other week because he because he kept making mistakes. And people said, "Oh, you can't play it from the back as a centre back." Yes, he can. He's just become this almost ethereal player. And ever since he got back in the City squad in. Uh, 2020-2021 and the England squad that same season 
He's been England's best player, not called Harry Kane. He's been Manchester City's best defender by a long way. You know, people can talk about the effect of Ruben Diaz and the pure defender instincts that he brings. John Stones has that. People can talk about Americ Laporte's ability with the ball at his feet. John Stones can do that. People can talk about Nathan Ake and how he's, you know, really aggressive and uses his body well. John Stones does that. People can talk about how, you know, Kevin De Bruyne can spray passes all over the pitch. John Stones is not quite that level, but he can do that. You know, and, it, and we've seen him f- score amazing goals with his weak foot. Crystal Palace in 2021, he scored an amazing goal on, on his left foot. Um, you know, I just, I can't think of anything he can't do. I genuinely think he's like Pep's go-to man. If there was a if there was a position on the pitch that needed filled, he knows he could put John Stones in it and John Stones would deliver. So I want the media to start giving John Stones a bit more a bit more of his flowers because he absolutely deserves them for how he's performed over the last two or three years. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. It's getting a round of applause from the studio, but it was the most British of, of rants ever because you were going in, you were going in hard. And then towards the end, Ollie, you just went, I'd actually quite like the media if possible to maybe give a little bit more praise. <laughs> just, just give uh, just... it. Just give the man his yeah. flowers. Just give the man his flowers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right then, Ollie. Quickly before we before we bounce, um, City women. It was a, it was a big title game for them. They were away to Arsenal. Unfortunately, as we said with uh, the Liverpool game, a game of two halves for them. Dominated in the first half. Went one 0 up. Bunny Shaw. Who else scoring yet again? I think it was a 16th goal of the season. Second half. Bit of a capitulation. It probably, if we're being honest, probably rules City out the title conversation. Obviously, Chelsea and Arsenal have games in hand. United leading the way. Disappointing, but, you know, given how the season started, I think it would be fantastic if City could finish inside that top three and get Champions League football. Yeah, absolutely. I think top three's still just about on for City at the moment, especially if they can get a big win away at Man United in a couple of weeks. Um, I think overall it was a really good performance, to be honest. Um, even when they capitu- even you know the capitulation, and it, and it was you know those two goals, you shouldn't really be giving them away. And you know Ellie Roebuck did her best with that screamer from Katie McCabe. You've got a hand to it, but there's just so much pace in that ball. You know, you, it's just one of them where you just got to go. That's a great goal. Um, you know, but frankly. Arsenal, Arsenal are a very good team. They're a team with very, very good players with a, with a good manager, even if he did insult Manchester City in a press conference that wasn't even anything to do with this match. Um, and then Bunny Shaw made the point to his face, which was fantastic. Um, there's a lot to like about this City team at the moment. They're probably not going to win the WSL title, but frankly... Um, they deserve to be in that top three this season, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Second that. Um, right, okay, then that'll do for today's show. Uh, plenty coming up this week. We'll continue our review of the fantastic 4 1 win against Liverpool tomorrow. So stick around for that. Obviously, Southampton to come in the Premier League next weekend for the men's team. Um, and plenty, to, plenty of stuff in between as well. Joe, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Ollie, thank you very much. Pleasure as always, mate. Follow, subscribe, rate and review, etc. Have a good day. We'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? 
at participating restaurants only 18 and plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.